Hello, folks, and welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. We hope that this message will bless your heart, draw you closer to Jesus Christ, and help you in your daily walk as you seek to serve our Lord. Mark, the fourth chapter, Gospel of Mark. We're going to be looking at a familiar passage of Scripture to all of us this morning, but maybe look at it in a little different way than you have in the past. If you notice the title of the message is Miracle Grow 4321, and you're probably saying, well, that's odd. Well, I have some odd ways. In July of this year, thousands of Americans began receiving little small packets in the mail. Packets of seeds from China. Mysterious unknown packages started showing up unsolicited in people's mailboxes. Some of them were marked earrings or bracelets, but when people would open it up, it'd be these mysterious seeds of all different kinds. And this was during the height of the coronavirus pandemic where tensions were high and suspicion over China was high. And so anything coming out of China or anything to do with China just set off the alarm bells. Was it some ploy for the, for the Chinese to be able to, to invade our country in some way with some new disease or some fungus or some insect or some noxious plant and so in response to these unsolicited packages our government agencies sounded the alarm bell and put out warnings do not we repeat do not plant any seeds that you get from China take them to your local police department or the USDA office and and turn them in despite the warnings Reports began to come in. Dozens of people planted the seeds. Probably the most widely publicized one was a man from Arkansas. Had to be from the South, right? Always somebody from the South. But he planted the seeds and he said he put miracle Grow on them every week and they just began to take off. Lush green plants grew quickly and produced large white fruit. The USDA paid his farm a visit and destroyed the plants. There was also a lady in New Mexico who who called the New Mexico Department of Agriculture and left a voicemail saying that she had planted the seeds in her garden and basically they took over the garden and killed everything else in it. And then there was another lady who called and she uh, she was a member of a garden club and so She had recently joined this garden club and she got this packet of seeds in the mail thinking it was a member benefit. So she planted them in a pot. Thankfully, those did not come up. But you can see how people disregarded those warnings. But isn't it a lot of fun to plant seeds and watch them grow? I can remember being in maybe first or second grade, as many as you can remember, you always planted a little something and put it in the window and watched it sprout and grow. I don't know if any of you received any of those seeds in the mail, 
But I can guarantee you this. Had I received them, they've been planted behind my shop back there in those raised beds. Roundup will kill anything, right guys? This morning we're going to look at a familiar passage of Scripture in Mark, the fourth chapter. It's a very familiar parable that Jesus used to teach the people. Commonly known as the parable of the sower or parable of the soils. It's known by two different names. We're going to notice a few truths from His Word this morning as we look at this passage. Now, let's look at Mark, the fourth chapter, starting in verse 1. Mark chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Again Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around Him was so large that He got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in His teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even a hundred times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but not perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root... They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you be with me this morning and deliver the message that you have prepared. Help our hearts to be receptive to the word that you give, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in the few prior chapters of Mark, Jesus' ministry is beginning to start having some opposition. He taught in the synagogue with authority. He had healed the sick. He had, he had been casting out evil spirits. He had healed the man and, and the Pharisees, you know, they were watching him closely. He had healed the man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath. 
he and his disciples had, had been criticized for picking the heads of grain on the Sabbath day as they walked through the cornfield, pulling off ears of grain to eat. He'd even been accused by being possessed by Satan, and that's how he was doing all these miracles. So there was growing opposition to his ministry, and so the Word tells us that as the news spread about Jesus, that he no longer could teach in the towns. He had to go outside the towns. And so this is why he's beginning to, to start talking, t- teaching to people outside of the towns. And they would come to him. And so he was teaching by the lake on the Sea of Galilee. The parable that we just read is fairly straightforward. You have a farmer sowing seed. And there are four different types of soil. But if you notice, only one of the four places was a success. 25% of the seed is all that came up. So I want us to notice four things this morning. First is the fairly straightforward one. There's four types of four types of soil, four types of ground. And they could be considered four different types of hearts. The first is the ground that's hard. Ground on the pathway. And it says it never has time to come up because the birds came immediately and ate the seed. That's a hard heart. The next is the ground that's rocky. That's that shallow ground with a hard. The, some of the reading I did this week talked about the. Not so much that it had rocks in it, but there was rock under it, limestone, a limestone shelf underneath a very thin shell of soil. And that's a hollow heart. Then there's ground that is thorny, thorny ground. That's a, a heart that's hindered. It says the weeds and the, and the thorns choke it out before it has time to take root. And the fourth type of ground, the fourth type of heart, is a humble heart. A heart that is prepared for the word, for the seed. And it takes root. It produces fruit. Four types of hearts. I want us to notice there are three hindrances to the gospel. The first being Satan. If you look in verse 15, when Jesus is asked by the disciples and the others that are there with him to explain this parable. In verse 15 he starts and he says, some people are like seeds seed sown along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. It's that hard heart. A refusal to hear and a refusal to see with the eyes of faith or hear with with the ears of faith. Psalm 14 and verse 1 says, The fool says in his heart there is no God. Think about somebody who's just completely closed off to the gospel message. Matthew 13 and verse 15, Jesus says this. He says, For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. Did you hear that? They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. They've made a choice 
to shut off anything to do with the gospel. I told you a month or so back about the story about the guy that I ran into some 20 years ago in Brooksville. He moved here from up north somewhere. We were just talking about things and he was completely closed off to anything to do with God. He said, I've read the Bible, I just don't believe a word of it. You remember me telling you that story? Romans chapter 1 tells us that we're without excuse. We're without excuse. All men have some light made known to them through creation. Creation screams out that there is a God. Romans chapter 1. When we obey the little bit of light that we have, God gives us a little bit more. We obey that, He gives us a little bit more. It brings us to a saving knowledge of His Son Jesus. Light obeyed reveals more light. Light rejected brings more darkness. Romans 1 verse 21 says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Jesus said in Mark the fourth chapter in verse 25 the same parable we're in he says whoever has will be given more whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him and that that scripture in 2 Thessalonians that horrifying scripture chapter 2 and verse 10 says they perished because they refused to love the truth and so be saved for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they'll be, believe the lie and so that they'll be condemned. It's horrible. It's scary. Amen. It's scary. I'll give you an example of that. Just kind of think about this with me. Think about a woman who has a, an unsaved husband and he, she continues to henpeck him to come to church with her and the kids. So he finally gives in and comes on the Sunday morning that we have a guest preacher. And we pass the plate for the love offering for the guest preacher. And then we pass the plate for the regular offering. And then we pass the plate for shoeboxes. And that man who's already closed off to the gospel, he leaves there thinking, it's all they talk about. It's money, money, money. And how I'm going to hell if I don't come down front and be saved. And how the, our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And there's that preacher up there standing up there overweight. Bunch of hypocrites. Bunch of hypocrites. And so he, he says, I'm never going back. He refused the light. And the following Saturday, he's at home. Wife and kids are out. He's sitting there watching the ball game. Here's a knock on the door. He goes to the door and opens and there's some false witnesses standing there. And in the course of their conversation to get to the gist of it, they say, we're here to tell you there's no hell. God loves you and there's no hell. He says, come right on in. God sent him a delusion because he rejected the truth. God said, okay. Have at it. Sends them a lie. 
Sends him, sends him a, a delusion so that he'll believe the lie. Imagine this room was dark, completely dark, and there was a candle right in the middle of the room there. And we're all standing in the four corners. The closer we walk to that light, the better we can see, right? But if we turn, the further away we walk from it, the less and less we see. That's the way it is with the gospel message. If we obey it and come to it, we see more and more of God's way. But if we turn and reject it, we don't see it at all. And we get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. Satan is the first hindrance to the gospel. And God's Word tells us that he has come to kill and to steal and to destroy. The second hindrance to the gospel, first is Satan. The second hindrance to the gospel is what I call a synthetic profession or false profession. It's represented by that rocky ground, verses 16 and 17 of Mark chapter 4. Jesus says, Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. They have a head knowledge, but not a heart knowledge. And they've made a false profession, a synthetic profession. I read a story of a, a Japanese, wealthy Japanese man who, who wanted to be in the imperial orchestra. He wanted to play for the emperor, but he couldn't play a note. But he was a man of of well, he was well endowed with plenty of money and so he bought his way into the orchestra. He bribed the conductor. And so he put him on the second row playing the flute. And they would play at concerts and he would bring his flute to his mouth and pucker his lips and he would move his fingers back and forth when they were giving a concert and everything was fine for about two years. Finally the conductor retired and they got a new one to come in. And he decided he wanted to see what they were made of. So he had each and every member of the orchestra come in for a private audition with him. And so the guy, the fake, that had been faking it for two years, decides that he's going to call in sick that day. That didn't cut it. The government had a doctor to check him out and found out he was perfectly well. And that's when he had to face the music. And that's where that expression, face the music, came from. He had to face the music. He had been faking it. He had given a false notion that he was this master flute player. He had no root. Isaiah 29 and verse 13 says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And I'm sure that you can think about people, and I can too in my life, where they came down front and joined the church and cried and were on fire for the Lord it seemed like like a cardboard box full of newspapers set on fire. And man, it was a big show for a little while. But then, after they began to get involved more and more with things of church, and they were here every time the doors opened, slowly you look around, they're not here anymore. And you wonder, what happened? You let that first little trial or that little persecution come their way and the shine of Christianity starts to wear off and they realize it's not what they thought it was. They've made a false profession. And the truth comes out. They had a head knowledge but no heart knowledge. I always think about this 
passage of Scripture, when we get to the point of the rocky ground, I always think about that section of ground up there across from Keith Hancock's, the old found farm's place. The topsoil on that place looked like it was about two inches thick, and this lime rock underneath. And that place never has grown good pasture, looked like to me from the highway. Now they're grazing, raising crops on it. And I was up there the other day, and then the cotton's kind of spotty looking. It's all different. And I don't know what the reason is. I can think maybe that the soil is not what it ought to be, but you couldn't grow a crop at all on that place if you didn't have that irrigation. They have no depth of root. They don't stick with it because it's not the true profession of faith. The Apostle John says in 2 John, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. But whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So Satan is a hindrance to the gospel. Synthetic profession is a hindrance to the gospel. Lastly, the strain and seductiveness of the world. Look back at verse 18 and 19. Jesus says, Still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The strain and seductiveness of the world is a hindrance to the gospel. John 3 and verse 19 says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Human race is dreadfully wicked. We're just born that way. We're bent towards sin. The lure of wealth and riches and the cares of this world choke out the word sometimes. It causes people not to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord. I think about the rich young ruler there in Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. He comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to gain eternal life? And what did Jesus tell him? Do this and this and this. And he said, well, I've done all this. I've kept all the rules. He said, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. And scripture says his countenance fell. His face was sad because he could not turn loose of his riches. The seductiveness of the world was too much for him. Now some might say, I've got too much going on in my life. I've got kids and I've got a job and I'm working hard six or seven days a week trying to get ahead, trying to get myself in line to get that promotion at work. Once I get that, I'll have more time, then I'll come to church. Some might say, well, Sundays are our family time. We work so hard during the week and, and Sunday's the only day we have together as a family. How about coming together? as a family to church. Let that be your family time. Some might say, my life is just a mess. I've got so much that I've done wrong in my life and I just, I, I, I just can't come. Let me get my life straight and then I'll come to Jesus. Well, let me tell you, they've got the cart before the horse. They need to come to Jesus and let Him make their life straight and not the other way around. There's four different kinds of hearts. Three different hindrances to the gospel. There's two possible answers we could give. Yes or no. Yes or no. 
You can say, yes, Lord, I surrender to you. And, and then it says, the king will say to you, those on his right hand, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Matthew 25, verse 34. You can say, yes, Lord. And he says, come on into my kingdom. Or you can say, no thanks, I'll do it my way. And many do. Say, no thanks, I'll do it my way. The scripture tells us that he'll say to us on that day, depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me. Four different kinds of hearts. Three hindrances to the gospel. Two possible answers we could give. It's only one way to heaven. Jesus said of himself in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way. And he's not willing for any of us to perish, but for all of us to come to him. Whosoever come to him by faith will not perish, but be saved. It's our choice. We have free will to say yes or no. Four types of souls. Four types of hearts. Three hindrances to the gospel. Two answers, but only one way to heaven. One Savior. Is He yours today? When you assess your own heart this morning and look within, what type of soul are you? type of heart do you have? Is it that good soil that the gospel has taken root in and, and there's, there's evidence of fruit? And if it is, then later on in that chapter of Mark, verses 26 through 29, it talks about the growth that happens, the miraculous growth that happens. Listen to these verses. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Just like a plant, you can't notice day to day in your Christian walk. You really can't notice a whole lot of change from one day to the next. But you should be able to notice from one year to the next. If you look back over your walk with the Lord, are you growing? Are you producing fruit? If not, there's time to change. Turn to the Lord. Pour your heart and mind into His Word and pray. And you'll look back a year from now and say, Oh, I've grown. Ten years from now should be a big difference. And maybe this morning is the first time that you've actually heard with your ears and seen with your eyes through those ears and eyes of faith. Or maybe this morning there's something in your life that's, that's hindered you from giving that full bloom and that full fruit and full growth miraculous growth that he talks about here in Scripture. And you're His, but you just allowed the cares of this world to choke out the growth that could happen. Maybe He's calling you to re rededicate your life in some way this morning. 
However the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart today, would you come? Jesus calls us. We'll sing that in just a minute. Jesus calls us. Is He calling you today? You respond whichever way your heart leads you. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for Jesus. He came and He died on a wooden cross, Lord, to save us from sins and to provide for us a way that we could be brought to You. He is the only way, Lord. There's four types of hearts. Three ways that the Gospel is hindered. Two answers that we might give, but one Savior, Jesus Christ. It's my prayer this morning that each and every one of us here today will know Him in a real and personal way. And we'll look to You to guide us as we grow in a relationship with You. Forgive us where we fail to do that at times, Lord. And just be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.